8.05 now on a Tuesday. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Did we just get the most shocking text into the Dunbar Lumber text line that we've ever received? I haven't even seen it. Uh, no, you have seen it. Oh, it's that the, one. The text where it goes, you guys never talk enough about defense. <sighs> 80 to 90% of your conversation and media conversation in general in Vancouver is about forwards. We don't need forwards, continues the texter. The Canucks need a stay-at-home Scott Stevens to stop leaving our goaltenders out to dry. That was signed by Puckluck. That's the, the texter's name is yeah. Puckluck. I, I, I'm, not, I'm, not trying to, I'm not trying to make fun of this texter if that's the way he's heard the conversation. Maybe it's because we've been talking about all the forwards that have been kind of coming into the mix in Vancouver. You know, they just got crabs off, so we were talking about him. We have talked a lot about forwards this, this season, but the major underlying issue with this team is the defense. But I think we talked about it so much that it just became like, what else are we going to say? White noise. Right? Like, like what, what else are we going to say? Like, it's a very, very, and what I replied to this, you know, texture was, it's like, it's a very, very, very difficult problem to solve. And it's why we talk about rebuilding. And Thomas Drantz, who we're just going to talk to in a few seconds, talks about rebuilding under, like, a lot of the time we're talking about these forwards coming in and it's a bit of a rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic thing, right? Sure. Uh, Until they get some more defensemen in the door, um, it's going to be very difficult to improve this team. I'm still blown away at the fact a text to the Halford and Bruff show said, you guys never talk enough about the defense. Yeah, I've been talking about the defense for like, how long uh, have I been in the media for? Feels like a thousand years. Yeah. I'm talking about the defense. Yeah, just it. You all constantly, 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 and for good reason because uh, apparently you need a good one. You I need a good unit. I, as I often do, I try and t- turn the frown upside down. I look at this as a positive because it means I think we might have gained a new new listener. Puck Luck, right. Puck yeah. Luck probably hasn't been listening to the program that long. <laughs> Let's go to the phone lines. Thomas Drantz, Athletic Vancouver, joins us now on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. What up, Drancer? Gentlemen, good morning. Should we do a talk about question and just be like talk about the defense just to make puck luck feel better? I don't I don't know if that's good radio, but he's certainly not listening to us for that. So. No, I, I'm going to ask Drancer about uh, another favorite topic: uh, weaponizing cap space. Drancer, do you think the Canucks are going to be involved in some way ahead of this trade deadline in facilitating trades, perhaps the Patrick Kane deal from Chicago to the New York Rangers? That'd be great. That'd be great. Um, you know. We'll see. We'll see. I've definitely heard some rumblings that the Canucks have been trying to get involved in that market. Um, you know, n- not nothing that I'm reporting or, or that I felt strongly enough to like write an article about. Uh, and you know, I would. Um, but certainly, certainly, that's been out there. I think the fact is is that they've got a lot of it. Right? They've got a lot of cap space here. Uh, sounds like there's at least a possibility. I mean, Miller, if JT Miller is week to week and there's five weeks remaining in the season, um, you know, we'll, we'll see, we'll see there if there's the opportunity to add even more, uh, sort of to their LTI pool, as it were, uh, Oliver Ekman Larson, I, I think is worth thinking about in, in, in the same way. And then of course, just with Mikheyev and, um, Tanner Pearson on LTI, which moves that have been done weeks ago. You know, there's probably about $7 million. The Canucks can go into LTI. And, yeah, I mean, using that cap space creatively. And, and I know Patrick Kane feels like the last really big domino, high-salary domino to fall. But we haven't seen any defensemen move. 
cap space is super tight. The NHL, according to Chris Johnston, just circulated a memo being pretty stringent about <laughs> teams acquiring players uh, if they're not going to be able to bring, you know, um, certain guys back onto their roster prior to the playoffs. Uh, that, you know, would would appear to indicate that, for example, if a team like Toronto wants to activate Matt Murray and get him some tune-up games before the playoffs, which feels vital. Yeah, it feels considering like Considering you're going to ask him to yeah. outduel Andre Vasilevsky. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, uh, that could mean that a guy like a Kerfoot or an Engvall shakes loose. So maybe you're not involved as a third-party broker. Maybe you're taking a guy, a pending UFA, who could actually help you, right? Like, I, w- I would put Engvall and Kerfoot, both guys who I think could play center in a pinch. Um, Kerfoot, who I actually like at center, and, and Engvall, I, I, I see as a winger, but I think he could play center. Um, you know, the, do you take a 20-game look at those guys? Um, if they're willing to pay you, uh, you know, far be it from me to suggest strengthening this team in any respect over the balance of the season. Uh, but you know, uh, I I think that those are items that the Canucks will and and should be considering. And, you know, I I mean, I I just look at this and think realistically between Shen and 7 million in cap space. And those are the assets that I'm focused on as the clock ticks down toward the you know, March 3rd NHL trade deadline because I don't expect them to really be able to move the guys with like expensive term remaining. I just think that's going to be too hard to do, but those are the two assets remaining here. And I think it's fair to look at that and say, man, you know, if we're going to look back and say the Canucks did really well at the trade deadline, you'd really hope they'd find a way to add at least three more draft picks here. Is it going to be any easier this offseason to move the likes of Brock Besser or Connor Garland or any of the other problem contracts that they've got? Because I feel like we're all just assuming it's going to be easier, but is it? Are we? Is, is anyone assuming that? I feel like I a mean, lot of people are like, that's an offseason thing. Yeah, so, you know, w- w- the reason I really liked the Riley Stillman trade, right, was that Riley Stillman joined a very select group of players with money committed beyond this season who've moved since the Canucks moved Bo Horvat and the market got going. Uh, one's Anthony Beauvillier, and I think there's an argument to be made, despite you know the fact that he played a tremendous game last night and has, has performed well for the Canucks. Like, I think there's an argument to be made that as the market is formed, you know the, the Canucks may have um, misread sort of the value of taking on future salary in, in assuming that deal. Otherwise, you've seen Nino Niederreiter move to Winnipeg, a little bit of a different situation because Winnipeg can't really recruit unrestricted free agents. Yeah, they've got to trap them there. Yeah, and they view term as a plus (laughs) in a way that's pretty unique around the league. Uh, Nikita Zaitsev, who obviously a team paid for the privilege to take. Jake McCabe, who was at $2 million with the team retaining. And Riley Stillman. Like The fact that Riley Stillman is on that list, you got to doff your cap to Patrick Alvin and Jim Rutherford there, you know, it's a, it's a relatively inexpensive cap hit. And I want to note this too, like, don't be surprised. I just, I'm going to dwell on this one at at length. So excuse the digression gentlemen, but I want to make sure that puck luck is happy with the amount that I've talked about the defense. Um, Riley Stillman. Don't be surprised if Riley Stillman ends up being pretty useful for the Buffalo Sabres. And, and I, I say this because of, you know, the following main reason in Vancouver paired with, Tyler Myers, I, I almost think that Stillman was put in like the worst possible spot 
for the type of player he is. And, and the type of player he is, is he's a physical guy, but he's not like a dynamic puck mover. And he's not really like a high defensive IQ shutdown guy either. And to be totally honest with you, that's kind of Tyler Myers' profile as well, right? You, you put them together and you don't really have like the escapability in terms of moving the puck. But so you what, also what do they have, do well then? You also don't have the defensive conscious. What, 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 what can Riley Stillman do well? I mean, I think Riley Stillman, what he can do well, it potentially is eight minutes lower down the lineup if he's got the right type of defense partner. And that's either a, a defensively aware guy, and the Buffalo Sabres have guys like that in Matias Samuelson and Ilya Labushkin, or ideally a guy who's you know higher defensive IQ but also can move the puck, and the Buffalo Sabres also have that player in spades, whether it's Jacob Bryson or, you know, one of their younger guys. So, you know, I, like, I wouldn't be shocked if, and, and this won't take anything away from this being a good trade for where the Canucks are, but I won't be shocked if Stillman ends up being a pretty useful piece for the Sabres uh, over the life of the deal that they just acquired. I just think that that team's way better suited to use him uh, whereas I think all of his flaws were exacerbated on a Vancouver defense mm-hmm. that also has his flaws, right? Like it, it was, uh, I, think, I just think it was a bad fit overall. Um, sorry. And what we were talking about before this, I, I really drove myself into the ditch here, gentlemen. I'm going to need a lifeline. I, I, I can't even remember, but we, we were talking yeah. about clearing cap space this off oh, right. season. So and, and is that going to be that, any easier? Yeah. Okay. So, it's good that they were able to move Stillman considering the company and how hard it is to move term. Will it get easier this off season? The reason you're seeing it be so difficult is teams are uncertain, right? There is a lack of confidence in the fact that the cap will continue to go up, 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 right? Like that, that was sort of, uh, I mean, that's the watchword that all fans tend to bring (laughs) out when a team signs a bad deal. Uh, rather concerningly, it was uh, something that the Canucks president of hockey operations himself said uh, only like a month and a half ago. But, you know, you're seeing some real sort of decaying confidence in, for example, the RSN um, space in the United States. There's uh, not just the Sinclair thing, the the, um, Valley Sports thing, but now Root Sports may be affected too. I think that's creating a, a environment where teams are not confident that we're going to see cap growth this offseason or maybe beyond that. And as a result, I think you are going to probably be running uphill in terms of clearing, you know, for example, a $13 million salary cap liability, which is what Brock Besser will represent after the season or a, you know, still $15 million cap liability like Connor Garland will represent following this season. So, yeah, I, I, do I expect it to be easier to move cap this offseason? It's really hard to tell until we know more about how the NHL and the NHLPA decide to handle it. But I'm not expecting the gravy train to roll into the station anytime soon in terms of cap growth. And clearly, neither are the NHL's 32 member clubs. Drance, should we be skeptical about the timing of JT Miller? JT Miller's injury and week-to-week status? Well, it's hard not to be, considering how it unfolded, right? The Shana tweet, Shana Goldman, of course, on um, on Sunday night, tweeting clearly with some sense that something was going on around JT Miller, right? 
tweeting that he wouldn't be uh, playing in Dallas or, or suggesting that he might not play in Dallas, maybe for trade-related reasons. Next morning, it's a minor tweak, might be out a week, um, and then he's week to week, according to the Canucks. Uh, that was a pretty, that was like a whirlwind 12 hours for JT Miller's status. So, you know, when news moves like that and in that form, I think it's hard not to regard it with some skepticism, particularly at this time of year. Um, but look, I, I, I'm just going to come back to it. Moving a $56 million salary cap commitment before, Monday, uh, before Friday's deadline, good luck. Good luck. You know, like, I, mm. I, I doubt it. I, I, I doubt it. And I think you also need to prepare yourself for what a JT Miller trade most likely looks like, even if the Canucks were able to execute it, right? Like, does JT Miller get $56 million in free agency on the back of this season? The answer is probably no. Right. Right? Yeah. And if teams aren't looking at that contract as one they want to sign, that tells you, and they're not. Like, I'm just telling you, they're not. Then his trade value is not going to be at a level where the Canucks are able to do that deal without very publicly making a declaration that, hey, we made a terrible mistake. Yeah. Um, you know, people and God are like, forbid hey, they look. do that. Right. Well, and people are like, hey, look, like, good, good on them for admitting that they made a mistake on Stillman. Um, and, and, you know, I mean, they did. Like, they very much targeted him. Um, in that deal, obviously shedding Jason Dickinson's salary and, and cap space was, was a big motivation in the Chicago trade, but they also wanted Stillman to improve their defense, right? Like this was, they paid extra because they were getting off cap and cash, but they also wanted Stillman. Um, you know, if this team is going to move forward, frankly, right? Like that's the, that's one of the lesser mistakes that this club's going to have to face up to. Um, I just don't see a world where this club's going to be willing to do that. Certainly not in the next week, but even this off season, you know, even before the draft, even before that NMC um, kicks in, like, I think that would be a real come to uh, Jesus moment as it were, right? Like that would, that would really require uh, a level of um, directional shift that, that I find it unlikely to believe will occur um, considering that it's going to be the same people making the decisions. There's going to be some interesting dates to monitor um, this offseason, aren't there? Like when JT Miller's uh, no-trade or no-move clause, I can't remember which one it is, kicks in. But it's also, an MC. It's a full NMC. Okay, but, but also when uh, Tyler Myers' bonus is is paid out. Yeah, and I think that one's like, I don't, I, I don't have this confirmed, but when, like shortly after... The Erickson's bonus was always paid in the summer, like early in the summer. And I think at some point, well, no, I, I know at some point um, in the betting era, the club decided to move most of their signing bonuses a little bit later into the summer, like September, mid-September. Mm-hmm. I think Tyler Myers is one of those deals where it's paid, you know, almost like closer to the opening of training camp than it is to the opening of the free agent market, which is you know, much better for cash flow, like internal cash flows um, for, from a business side, but obviously much worse from a hockey flexibility standpoint. So how could that affect the market for Tyler Myers? Maybe just to, if you could explain for the listeners the situation with Tyler Myers, with his cap hit and, 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 and bonus. Um, well, I mean, once he gets paid his bonus, he'll only have $1 million remaining in salary. So 
presumably or at least potentially that would make him desirable for a budget conscious team or a team that needs to hit the cap floor. And there's going to be a few of them, um, you know, over the course of the summer. But, you know, realistically, I think there's a pretty big impact on that type of structure for most players. But realistically, I think for a player like Myers and given that the way his compensation is structured in the final year of his contract um, you know, most of the budget conscious teams, like the teams that are like trying to hit the cap floor or like, or, or what have you, like they're not going to have that cap space spoken for, right? If it was a player that you were trying to move and trying to like use the fact that their salary is so much lower than their cap hit as like a, a reason why their trade value is higher, that would matter more earlier in the summer if a, a lot of teams are likely to be interested but I think with Myers anyway, you'd be it would be more of a, ca- a cash considerations type trade. And so I don't know that that dramatically impacts things from from a Canucks perspective because I, I'd expect that the teams that might have interest anyway would still have available cap space by the time you know. I assume, and this is again my assumption, his bonus is paid a little bit later in the offseason. Drancer, enjoy trade deadline week. I know you're going to be a busy guy, and uh, we'll chat again soon, probably next week, um, and if we're still following this team. We'll see. <laughs> hey, well, you know, one, can I, I want one more point about the deadline I want to make. Okay. We saw it. We saw it last night. We saw it last night. Do not forget that no team is going to add a difference maker as significant as this team is with Thatcher Demko returning mm-hmm. to a team that ranks 32nd in the NHL by, by save percentage. We saw it last night, boys. Yep. No, right. no acquisition this week is going to have as big an impact on their team's quality as the Canucks getting Demko back. And, of course, that's desperately inconvenient. Anyway. <laughs> Thanks, Drancer. It's always uplifting. See you, buddy. <laughs> Bye. Thomas Drance from the Athletic Vancouver here on the Halford & Brough Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, would you like to do some What We Learns or... Yeah, I'm going to do a What We Learn, and this comes from our friends at Cap Friendly. Okay. Um, so a lot of people, I guess, have been reaching out to sites like Cap Friendly and asking about the retained salary rules on a player like JT Miller, who has already signed an extension, but is currently on his you know current contract. So this is what Cap Friendly tweeted out uh, yesterday. Regarding what happens when a player is traded with retained salary and they have a contract extension that hasn't begun yet. The league settled this issue with clubs back in 2013. The retained salary percentage always applies across the current active contract and the extension. So... In the unlikely event that JT Miller was traded this week and the Canucks retained, say, 10% of his cap hit, yeah, they would have to retain 10% of his extension as well. So, we there, so, so there it is, folks. And in reality, that might make it tougher to make a deal happen. Uh, we, Elliot Freeman has said already that it's extremely unlikely that JT Miller is traded before the deadline. JT Miller has said, I'm not getting traded. So maybe we're going to have to park this one, um, until the off season. And I'm sure a lot of people out there would like us to park it permanently, but folks, 
It ain't going to happen. Uh, give us a moo cow on that. Get your what we learns in. You yeah. have to include a ticket emoji if you want to be entered into the draw. Minnesota Wild tickets on they're, Thursday, right? Well, Vancouver Canucks tickets, but they're playing the Minnesota Wild. Yeah. yeah. Thursday, Rogers Arena. Uh, get your grind on. We got some people in the in the in basket right now that are getting their grind on to try and win those tickets. Hashtag it WWL. Uh, what did you learn over the last 24 hours in sports? Uh, add the ticket emoji, 650-650, as Jason mentioned, is the text line. I've got a, what we learned. I'll do it on the other side. I've got news, Jason, on the quarterback carousel, and it involves, get this, the Seattle Seahawks and, not related, but also kind of related to the carousel, Tom Brady. I'll tell you all about it next uh-huh. on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Everything Canucks before and after the games. Canucks Central with Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now for my favorite part of the show. Well, that's a talk to the audience. Oh, God, this is always dead. 832 on a Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Uh, hour three of the program brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. Uh, my what we learned before we get to the humanoids. So I want to give a, a what we learned about the QB carousel okay. in the National Football League. So I'm going to start with the smallest bit of news and then work our way to the biggest, okay? Okay. So the smallest and most recent is that the Atlanta Falcons just released Marcus Mariota. So he's done in Atlanta after a year that nobody will remember. Probably not even Marcus Mariota. More interesting on the QB carousel, according to Albert Breer of Sports Illustrated, Geno Smith, might be getting overtures from his former team, the New York Jets. Oh, that's interesting. Because we've been talking about the Jets and Aaron Rodgers, but not Geno Smith and the Jets. Aaron or Aaron uh, Aaron Rodgers and the Jets. Uh, Derek Carr and the Jets, mm-hmm. apparently. Uh, they're even toying with the idea of maybe trying to lure Daniel Jones from the Giants as a sort of like inter-New York rivalry thing. Can you imagine if Geno Smith goes back to the Jets and just sucks? (laughs) You're old, (laughs) Geno. What happened here? So there's the number two. We've seen this before. This was a terrible idea. God, it's terrible being a Jets fan. So number that's the second one. The most and biggest newsworthy item on the QB carousel, though, is that of Tom Brady. You know where Tom Brady might end up? At open mic night. According to multiple reports, Tom Brady is toying with the idea of putting his Fox broadcasting career on hold because Mm -hmm. you know now that he's retired from the NFL. I thought he just wanted a year off because he wanted a year off. Here are some of the headlines. Daily Mail. Tom Brady wants to launch a career as a stand-up comic. Fan Nation. A goat walks into a bar. Patriots legend Tom Brady considering a stand-up career. The Daily Mirror. 
Tom Brady considering brand new stand-up career in a last-ditch effort to save his marriage. Why are the English tabloids all over this? Because this is huge. This is the biggest. <laughs> I'm just picturing that scene from Joker where he's reading all these jokes off a, like a notepad and none of them are landing. Everyone's it, just looking it, at him blank. Is there, there. A, is there, okay, first of all, there's two, two possibilities here. Number one, Tom Brady might be funny. Who knows? Number yeah. two is... He's so famous and he's such a celebrity that everything he says, people laugh at. That's possible. He's like, I've been killing he's it for like, the last I 20 on, years. I am on fire. Yeah. <laughs> Every time I make just a little joke, people laugh, like aggressively laugh. And they're like, who does that audience include? He's like, my agent, my personal trainer, the TB12 guy. They all laugh at everything <laughs> I have to yeah. say. Giselle never laughed at anything, but I can win a rack. And then I think the other part of this is... Um, there's definitely, and this is, I mean, it's not sad, sad, but it's a a point in life that I think everyone comes to when they got to really rediscover what they're about. Mm Because for the better part of 25 years, Tom Brady's been about one thing. I don't think it's sad though when people try to get good at something else. I think that's admirable. Sure. It's just, this is like, I mean, like stand-up comedy. still got a life to live. Stand-up comedy is... It's hard. Hard. <laughs> yeah, well, so is being a quarterback. Right, but he put 20 years into doing that. Well, the problem is if you talk to most stand-up, stand-up comics, they're like, how did it go at the beginning? And they're like, well, you got to bomb before you get good. Soul-crushingly right? bad. Yeah, like the, of all the stand-up comics, none of them are like, you know what? I've never had a bad day. By the way, so TMZ has the most recent update on this, mm-hmm. and they're clarifying it. Again, these are all anonymous sources, but yeah. their anonymous sources are saying it's not necessarily stand-up comedy. It's that he's considering doing an, a roast for Netflix, and he's going to be the host. Oh, because that's going to be more scripted then. Right. And, you know, like yeah. I will say this. Peyton Manning, mm-hmm. in his post-playing career- He's has, funny. He's charismatic. He's yeah. funny. Yeah. It's just, it's a, uh, I don't know. Tom Brady never struck me as being very funny when he was- No, it's because he was so earnest yeah. right, in his approach. Yeah. But you can take an earnest approach to being a stand-up comic. You just have to work at it. Also, putting a multi-million-dollar contract on hold for a roast—I don't know. Something doesn't seem like it's those sitting are, right. Those on must that. be some good jokes. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, Come I on. cannot wait to tell these. So there's your QB carousel roundup for the day. Moo cow that. Uh, to the Dunbar Lumber text message in basket. You chose the winner today. I just called it the Dunbar Lumber text message in basket. I haven't done that in a while. Uh, you chose the winner today, I did. and it wasn't. Uh, well, there were there were some quality what we learned. No, I went with the but, gr- a grind set mentality. Sometimes mm-hmm. you got to get your hustle on. You got to find that inner dog, D A W G. And sometimes it's not about hitting a home run, but a bunch of singles and doubles. Right, keep chopping wood. You, how how quickly can you eat that elephant, Jason? Mm-hmm. The answer is not very. You got to take small little bites. So James from Qualicum <laughs> Beach was taking bites all morning. I think he sent in about eight or ten good what we learned. Like effort was there. Everything was spelled correctly. He's like, one of these has got to (laughs) land. It's like Tom Brady doing jokes, right? Like you got to respect Knock-knock jokes. Grind set, you know? And so congratulations to James in Qualicum Beach. I think the one that we're going to read is the one where he expressed consternation about Petey blocking so many shots. Why don't you just read it? Well, I don't You've have lost it, it, haven't you? I don't have it in front of me. But we're just, uh, you know, we're, we're doing the, the the synopsis, the genesis of it. <sighs> James in Qualicum Beach. What we learned. Why is it so hard for you to flag things? It's not. I just don't have it in front of me. Love Petey, but six blocked shots. I respect it, 
but I don't want him blocking that many shots in a game. Um, it's funny, James is going to win these tickets, but I'm going to push back on his um, text and That's his okay. idea. The current leader in block shots is Austin Matthews on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Among forwards. Also among forwards in leaders in block shots, Anze Kopitar, former Selkie Trophy winner. Um, a guy by the name of Patrice Bergeron, who has won a few Selkie trophies. Joe Pavelski is up there. Logan Couture. Like, these guys are good players. Philip Deneau, he's a good player for the LA Kings. Blocking shots is a skill. And if you want to win a Selkie trophy, if you want to be considered one of the best two-way forwards in the game, which I think PD is well on his way to doing, you got to get your body in the way of some shots. I'm with you on that. I understand what James in the QB, as we call it. I get it. Qualicum Beach. Uh, I do understand what he's talking about. You I think the blocking shots, though, like there are different ways to block shots and there are different block shots. Like I, I think every, people assume like every block shot is just a guy lying down on the ice or standing up with his, ice, uh, his, his, his eyes closed and Shea Weber is just like unloading I'm gonna break your on shin. these shots. A lot of the times you'll notice when, when Petey's blocking shots, it's just a guy will – maybe make a quick move and try a wrister or a snapshot, and Petey will move his feet and, and get in the way. And, and, and you watch that, and you're like, I'm not worried about him getting hurt on that. It's not that type of shot blocking. Yeah. Um, he's not like he's not standing in front of the Canucks net either like Ethan Bear was the other day when he blocked a shot with his face. Yeah. Like, it, it is a different type of shot blocking with forwards. And his coach has put an impetus on it. Right, I mean, we have to acknowledge this. Like Rick Tockett has said, we don't block enough shots. And if Petey's gonna, block shots, if Petey's going to be a leader, and Tockett's going to be the coach of the team that he's a leader, all those things need to be in simpatico. Uh, Surrey Ryan, with what we learned, it's so hard to hate Kuzmenko as he's single-handedly sinking our chances at a top five draft pick. That glorious bastard. Andy, yeah, yeah. Well, where's Andy on this? Now you love Team Tank, but you also love Kuzmenko. Yeah, they're like I'm opposite con- forces. I'm conflicted. I know. It's tough. I mean, that's why I tweeted the, you know, the, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, Larry David gif of him, you know, going, I don't know how I feel about this because, you know, at the same time, it's because Manko's scoring a goal, which is great, but he also won them the game, which is bad. Uh, what we learn on sign text, the only thing McDavid could do to further demoralize his opponents is make race car sounds while skating around <laughs> the ice. I've, I've, I've said this a few times, and I'm sure it gets tiring, but like appreciate watching Connor McDavid because – even though some people will have debates about the Hart Trophy, like this guy is clearly the best player in the league. Saw, and he I, yeah. is a talent. He is a talent that I don't think we've ever seen in the NHL just with what he can do and the speed he can do it at. I saw. I heard someone the other day refer to him as the most evolved player in NHL history, which I thought was a really interesting turn of phrase because that's actually kind of the way I would frame it. Maybe not evolved is the right word, but Mm -hmm. I get the sentiment behind it. He's like the next gen of hockey player. And yet the questions is still out there. Has he ever played in a massive game? Yeah, I know. It sucks. A a really, really big game. People will say, well, he played in the conference finals. Yeah, but they got swept. Yeah, and he's had international hockey ripped away from him by the the powers that be. He played in the gold medal game of World Juniors. Yeah, but that was a long time. But overall, he's he's never played in like a a career-defining game. And I think that's unfortunate. 
Uh, basketball Phil with the What We Learned, hashtag WWL, What We Learned. Canucks fans are jealous of what the San Antonio Spurs are doing right now. 16 straight losses. That is the perfect way to tank. So if you haven't paid attention, the NBA has its own Connor Bedard sweepstakes going mm-hmm. on right now by in the tune of seven foot four Frenchman Victor Wembayama. I had to work on the pronunciation of that one. I'm not even sure I got it right. But he is a unicorn in the sense of Bedard being one as well. Franchise altering. And San Antonio. San Antonio got to about 14 and 31 on the year, which was far too good right. for them. So they're like, we need to figure this out right away. So uh, they traded Jakob Podol to the, the, the Raptors. Now they, but he was a good player for them. Mm-hmm. They're like, you're doing too well. You're going back to Toronto. And uh, they lost two days ago to the Jazz, and that set it. That was their sixteenth consecutive loss. Oh, good for them! That is a that is a losing streak that is really tough to match. So, congratulations to San Antonio. You're paving the way for Tank Nation. But with the odds of the NBA draft lottery, they still only have like a fourteen percent chance. Of and winning they're not the draft even lottery. the worst. You would think after losing sixteen consecutive games, you'd be the worst team record wise in the NBA, but they are not. Uh, their in-state rivals, the Houston Rockets, are thirteen and forty-seven. I got kind of a bit of news uh, pertaining to JT Miller. Do you now? Yeah. Um, just okay. Wait. 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 Before you put this out there, is this from a verified good source? Pen, uh, well, Penn's reporter for PG Sports now. Post Gazette. Post Gazette in Pittsburgh. Matt, okay. Matt, yeah. Matt Vensel. Vensel. Okay. I don't know. Uh, he just tweeted three, four minutes ago, uh, and he has an article up now, which I just retweeted. Uh, the Penguins recently engaged in trade talks with the Canucks centered on JT Miller. Those talks have stalled, but the door is still ajar. Dun, dun, dun. Didn't I just say like 10 minutes ago that it's unlikely that JT Miller is traded at the deadline. But that was the trade to announce. <laughs> maybe we'll... Uh, this is so tiring. Yeah, I know. Maybe we'll... Uh, <laughs> What's going to happen? Maybe we can revisit this in the off season. But he's hurt. Um, he's got a lower body injury. So, and the, and the uh, NHL just clarified that thing with the whole injured guys. They and, sure did, you know, Andy. So. Well, we, we talked about the Pittsburgh Penguins earlier as a potential target for JT Miller just because we're kind of like, aren't they all in? Should like we call just, Gentilly back? Like, like who, who, who cares about, um, you know, two or three years from now? And JT Miller, that's the whole argument with his contract. Like, it would be fine for the Canucks if they were in their win-now window, but they're not in their win-now window. But the Pittsburgh Penguins very much are. So here's how the report starts uh, at the Post-Gazette. The Penguins and the Canucks recently engaged in trade discussions centered on JT Miller – um, two league sources told the Post-Gazette. Two! Per one of the sources, trade talks between the Penguins and Canucks reached an impasse, but they could be revisited prior to Friday's trade deadline. So I am just going to let out, <coughs> uh, uh, just a sec, just a sec, I'm going to work on this, mm. an extended sigh. <sighs> I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to take it a step further. You ready? We all know about the relationship between the Vancouver Canucks and the Pittsburgh Penguins. Of course, Patrick Alvin, Jim Rutherford, Clancy, all of them coming aboard. Here's another one for you. Miller Miller does indeed have ties to Pittsburgh Penguins head coach Mike Sullivan. You'll remember that during Miller's rookie year in New York in 2012-2013, Sullivan was then the assistant coach Mm -hmm. of the New York Rangers. Very familiar with JT Miller's game. And personality. He knows how to coach him. He 
knows how to coach them. So the Penguins are um, up against it cap-wise, as we discussed with Sean Gentile. But I suppose, and I'm sorry, I'm just looking at their cap-friendly page right now. I suppose they could move out some salary, like Gentile mentioned Brian Dumoulin, who has struggled on defense for the Penguins and is a pending UFA. Um, is Jason Zucker a pretty important player for them? I don't, I don't even know. He's a player. Yeah. Uh, here's what else. Hextall, He's a pending UFA. That's why. I say. Here's what else Hextall said on Friday: The Penguins would only give up premium future assets in a deal if it was for an impact player who was signed beyond this season. So they're not looking for just a rental in Pittsburgh. They're looking for someone who, and I quote, is signed beyond this season. JT Miller has a contract beyond this season, right? Is he signed beyond this season? I think he is. So the Penguins are also apparently looking at Jacob Chikrin. And remember there was a report in the Athletic that there was a bit of a, um, maybe a disagreement between Mike Sullivan and the general manager, Ron Hextall, and that Mike Sullivan wants a player like Jacob Chikrin and might have even said Jacob Chikrin without trying to um, get in trouble with the NHL. Um, But they probably need help on defense, and maybe Jacob Chikrin is going to be the target over JT Miller. But, man, it is just – I mean, this is – listen, this is an article in the Post-Gazette, an actual real newspaper, and it's citing (laughs) – Two league sources that have said that the Penguins and the Canucks have engaged in trade discussions centered on JT Miller. So once again, I am imploring you uh, not to shoot the messenger, even as I say this with about 80 bullet holes in me. The text message in basket is the chamber has been unloaded. Those are speed holes. (laughs) (laughs) They make the trades go faster. I I can't. I, I don't know what to tell you. Dear listeners, I don't know what to tell you. We know what we're doing is probably agitating some of you, but we also know what we're doing is the right thing to do. None of this ever added up. The whole thing smelled from day one. He went from being a minor injury to a week to week to week. Something ain't right. I don't know what it is. And it's not my fault. It's hard not to be skeptical of the timing of it all. He looked fine the other day against Boston. It's not my fault that Mike Sullivan used to be his head coach and probably loves him. It's not my fault. <laughs> it's, not my- it's not. It's not Halford's fault that Halford heard that Sid loves JT. Yeah, wasn't your left foot injured? You're standing uh, in your right foot. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not my fault that he's from the Heartland, from the Rust Belt, and this is a chance to go back there with a long-term contract. Mm-hmm. Just, it's not my fault. Let's distract the listeners with an old man take from Gary, middle name Gary Garrison. Nice. Uh, what we learned, old man take. If it takes five minutes to determine possession, maybe we should go back to offside just being offside. These reviews are getting to be too much. Maybe we should focus on the refs calling it on the ice. You know who I think that is? I think that's Shorty. Because Shorty's, uh, yeah. Shorty's getting like <laughs> yeah. super frustrated. I honestly like, you thought can he was going like, to lose it last night. Well, he's just kind of like, now i got to tap dance. Like, Cheech, what are you eating? Yeah. Like, what's, what's going on? Ketchup, hey, that's left. crazy. Catch, <laughs> ketchup packets? Yes. <laughs> yes. He's down to the packets. Yes. Yes, <laughs> yes. Shorty. Yes. <laughs> I think it's going to go this way, then it's definitely going to go the other way. That right? took like, way too long No, it's, it, it, it's, it's brutal, right? And, and, and it, really, the Beauvillier call um, – the play was so isolated by the camera that the linesman and the ref should have been able to look at that and go, either that's offside or it's not. 
You guys know the rule book. You guys should be able to look at this and say, with the help of Toronto, within 30 seconds, you should know that rule. Boom. Make the decision. Let's go. Wasn't the issue, though, uh, and it comes to, this has happened so many if times. If you had control. control well, you but, should be able to make that call, though. You but, should be able but to. they don't have a rule in place. They don't have a definitive explanation of what control. You, you can hear Toronto, like, furiously flipping through the rule book. Like, Can we just make it so if you can't figure it out? Their Webster's Dictionary defines possession as, and then they read that. It makes no sense. They still don't have a rule for what. And the, here's the thing: review guys having an existential crisis. Yeah, just, what is to possess? But like, like I can see a review taking a while if there's confusion um, from the camera angles. Like one angle makes it look one way, and the other angle makes it look the other way. Like there was a goalie interference call the other day and it might have been Connor Garland involved and okay. and and in one you don't watch the games anymore but there was one involved with, plays, eh? with with Connor Garland where it looked like he might have interfered with the goalie but then from another angle you aren't so sure those ones i get when you're like ah, i just want to see one more time from the other angle but the one last night it was like it was isolated yeah. you know it was it was isolated the way Beauvillier had it there was no one around. No, I know. There was no one around him, so just be able to make the call and I get feel, it going. I feel like, like what there's they... people like people in the stands are like, should I leave? Yeah. Is the game over? The stars are figuring out the Canucks are still on the ice. It's a bad look. The biggest issue they've got is there's no textbook definition for what possession or control is, and there's no textbook definition for what goalie interference is or isn't. It too much is left up to interpretation. When the NFL instituted replay and they ran into these situations, remember possession constituting a catch? catching through the ground, they came up with terms like, what's a considered a football move? And they gave a very definitive idea of what a football move is and isn't. For hockey, it's like, oh, you know, I mean, the Canucks were possessing the puck. They passed it to him in possession. Technically, he had possession, but then you look at it, he's like, he also entered the zone backwards offside. So, it, you know, and that's where you run into these gray areas. It's very annoying. So, if you're just joining us, welcome to another day of JT Trade Miller talk. Um, Did you call it JT Trade Miller talk? Yeah. Neat. That's what the T stands for. <laughs> mm-hmm. JT just trade. Uh, there's, <laughs> there's, there's, Miller. there's an article in the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette that is citing two league sources that have told the newspaper in Pittsburgh that the Penguins and the Canucks recently engaged in trade discussions centered on J.T. Miller. Now, according to one of those sources, the talks reached an impasse, but they could be revisited prior to Friday's trade deadline. So good luck to the rest of the Sportsnet 650 crew. You're going to be talking about J.T. Miller again. Have fun with that. But not us. But not us. We're going to bed. (laughs) And we'll be back tomorrow. Uh, It's been fun. We'll do this again tomorrow. Signing off. I have been Mike Halford. He has been Jason Bruff. He's been A-Dog, and he's been Laddie. This has been the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Get your daily dose of Canucks talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drance. Subscribe to the podcast and don't miss an episode.